Holly. Hey, Dave. How are you today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We're going to be taking on the year 1985, and we're looking at songs. We're looking at 106.7 songs. And what? what's the reason it's 106.7, Holly? Well, that is the frequency of our favorite radio station, the flagship alternative radio station in Los Angeles, California, KROQ. 106.7 songs because that is the frequency of our favorite right. alternative radio station, KROQ. So we're starting today the top 106.7 songs from 1985 from the year-end K-Rock chart, and we are starting with number 106.7, as we always do. Because it's only seven songs, Holly and I are going to take on this uh, challenge. Future episodes, we will have guests to talk about the songs. Okay, should we get to number 106.7? What do you got, Holly? Well, it's a song that I didn't remember. It is called Woodpeckers from Space. Well, I have Woodpeckers in Space. Yes, you do, because that is how it's listed on the chart. But if you if you research further, it's actually called Woodpeckers from Space uh, by Video Kids. No, it took me a little while. I, I double and triple checked, so I'm pretty sure it's called Woodpeckers from Space. Okay. Yeah, actually, this was by a production group called Adams and Fleischner, a Dutch production team that uh, put this together. They, they did like a lot of sound effects type, type songs. Did you see the video for this? These these two blonde singers lip syncing to uh, the song. When I woke up with a shock, I didn't know the reason why. The stock aside, but yet a light, I heard a funny cry. was a, a trippy video, like a very, I don't even want to say 80s video. It was just weird with the, the Woody Woodpecker uh, sound effects. And also, and by the way, the extended version, I didn't hear it either, but the extended version of this song, hard to believe there's, there's an extended version of it, but it samples craft work. All right. Here's a fun Is fact. Is enough of Woodpeckers no. from Space? Oh, I was going to say, uh, do you know who did the voice of Woody Woodpecker? I do not. Most people would guess Mel Blanc. Right. Who was actually, I think, contracted or he wasn't contracted to do it. There was like a mess, like a litigation type uh, situation with uh, with Walter Lance, who was heading up this Woody Woodpecker character. His wife, Grace Stafford, I'll do, I could do this. And he's like, no, you know what? Woody Woodpecker's a guy. So probably not. It probably won't work for you. So she's like, all right, fine. So they submitted some auditions and Grace, unbeknownst to Walter, submitted an audition. And Walter's like, we found our Woody Woodpecker. And it was Grace. That's really funny. And, and what he said, his initial comment to her, that would not fly today. No. Woody Woodpecker's a man. Well, okay. Maybe. Well, I mean, I guess he is. If you had to, if you had to assign a gender to Woody, probably you would say male. <laughs> and that's a very uh, that's a, a very interesting factoid all right thank you so you call them factoids i've noticed that you call them f factoids and i call them fun facts 
Yeah, I don't know why I started saying factoid. I think I, that's a word we use in my house, but I just started saying it, I noticed on the last episode. I have never used the word factoid in my house. That's, uh, I would wonder what the, the <laughs> Cantos house is like, where they're throwing out factoids. We have a lot of factoids in this house. I'm going to research where that word came from okay. or if we made it up. I'll have to ask my, my resident expert. <laughs> okay. All right. So there you go. So we're off and running. That was a little sample of uh, the Video Kids Woodpeckers from Space. The Dutch production team, Adams and Fleischner, or the Video Kids. Thank you, Freddie Snakeskin. By the way, Freddie Snakeskin, again, probably, you know, he's this list, honestly, I don't think it makes any sense, but it, uh, it is what it is. Um, and so we kind of, I'm sure, like, back in the day, he's like, no one's going to be discussing this 40 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Who really cares? <laughs> and now it's just us. Yeah, now it's a podcaster. Uh, yeah, if he knew about podcasting, like, oh, I should put more thought into this. Yeah, maybe he would have chosen number 106.7 better. I don't know. but And also 106, this is the first of two songs that we will discuss. This is uh, by the band Living Daylights, Catbox Beach. What can you tell me about this? Well, let me just say, I am glad that you gave me a little extra time to study this morning. So I did a little bit of a deep dive into Rusty Anderson, who is the guitarist. So Catbox Beach is an instrumental, like in the, in the vein of... Ventures. The Ventures, yeah. was a b-side of an ep the song we will be discussing later is colleen that was the a side and now we have this little beach song instrumental piece that's yeah. got it's fun but what what else can you tell me about living daylights uh, we will probably discuss it more uh, you know <laughs> in our next episode actually just a little oh. teaser or maybe one one factoid about the band oh save, well, save to... the factoid for when we discuss colleen well Okay, first of all, did, were you familiar with The Living Daylights before this? Uh, just the 1987 James Bond film that kept popping up when I was doing a Google search. Exactly. Well, so Rusty Anderson is the guitarist. Do you know anything about Rusty Anderson? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, here's a factoid. Here is one factoid. He is a world-class musician. He has been playing with Sir Paul for the past 20 years. Really? Yes. Yeah, I know you want to double check me. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, that's great. So the solo on Ricky Martin's uh, "Live in La Vida Loca." Yes. Also, Rusty Anderson. Okay. Also played with Stuart Copeland in Animal Logic. How about that? Yeah. Okay, I've seen him play at Dodger Stadium, so that's kind of cool. You did? Oh, you said you must yeah. have seen because you saw Paul. You yes, saw because Paul I saw Paul McCartney. <laughs> yes, I so did. I didn't see him play first base at Dodger Stadium. I saw him in center field on the stage playing playing guitar. He's the guitarist? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I know think- I know exactly who he is now. All right, very cool. Okay, so I, I'm glad I gave you that extra time to find that because that's, that's great. Wow, how about that? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I got to surprise you with a with some factoids. Yeah. Usually you're you're surprising me with the factoids. All right. So mm-hmm. now um, we move into 105, the first legitimate group. This is uh, Lone Justice. Are you familiar with Lone Justice? Hell yeah. Yeah. Maria McKee. I, I was a little bit obsessed. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about them. They were, because we were both Petty fans, Tom Petty fans. They had a, a song, Ways to be Wicked, which was written by Tom Petty and Mike Campbell, produced by Jimmy Iovine, who uh, produced Damn the Torpedoes. So I was like, okay, I, I need to check out this band. And then I played it. I'm like, country? It, it, it threw me for a loop when, when I was, you know, as a kid, like, this isn't rock and roll. It was, it was a little country. So it took me a while to get into the band. But like all things, once you invest, my, you know, I put down my hard-earned cash for this. And it wasn't like one listen. Like, okay, I got to, there's got to be something to it. And, and it, it really grew on me. And I, I grew to, to really, really like the band at this at this time like in, in 1985 like this okay she's got like a little she's got a twang to him but it rocks so it was uh it was pretty cool i got to see it you know like they opened up for you too i remember seeing them that might have been the first time i saw them yeah she had great presence too and she she uh i mean it is country rock it's rock and roll country but wait you you, you mentioned hearing for the first time, was it, was it, um... uh, I'm saying ways to be wicked was the song I heard the song from 107 as I, as it's taken a while to say number 105 is the song East of Eden, which is the first song on the album, yeah. which kind of rocks. I love this album. I love the song East of Eden and I probably would listen to anything she does. Have you heard of anything? I mean, have you listened to anything she's done since that album? Well, yeah, I bought uh, just Lone Justice stuff and I've listened to a a little bit of her solo stuff. Nothing's grabbed me as like the Lone Justice stuff. She's just one of those who goes by her own muse, follows her own instincts and strong singer songwriter still has those great pipes. We should mention, though, she did not write the song. Marvin Etzioni wrote it. He was the bass player in the band. I see that because I've got the album and I'm looking at the liner notes, which you can do when you have an album. Yes, but it's so rare. Do you know who sang background vocals on that song? Oh. As we talk about the Heartbreakers. Who sang? It was Ben Montench. Oh, he did. Yeah, so they had a lot of heft behind this album. And uh, I'm sure there were big expectations. I don't know if it did as well as they were as David Geffen was hoping it would do. It definitely did not. I think they had a hard time placing that album in a, you know, in a genre because she is, I mean, they were like a rock band, but a country band. So I think it didn't, you know, it didn't have a, a, enough of a niche to sell. 
yeah, as I've told you, like, yeah, I placed the needle on the record and I was like, and it confused me as well. Like, okay, what, yeah. what is this? <laughs> I had no idea what to, what to make of it, but uh, I learned to love it. And so still, still with me to this day. Yeah. I, it makes me so happy when I hear her now. I have her a few of her songs on my, one of my main playlists. I just, I love her voice and I love her passion, her style, everything about her. So the song written by Marvin Etzioni, Susanna Hoffs of the Bengals, your girlfriend. She wanted this song for the Bengals when she heard him. I guess he played it in a club acoustically and she heard it and she wanted it and he wanted to save the song to record it himself. He wanted, well, with Lone Justice. So that's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, yeah, the Bengals would have done something completely different with this. All right. Do you know anything about our next artist? This is number <laughs> 104. This is Elton, L, L, yeah. Elton John, An Act of War is, uh, is the song, which is kind of cool that K-Rock, the rock of the 80s, plays a Elton John song. Um, An Act of War, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a duet with Millie Jackson. Here's my fun fact. Who is originally going to duet with? It is not Kiki D. Actually, I know. know, Okay, well, spoiler. But I want you to tell me. So Tina Turner was going to initially do this song, but didn't work out. So we got Millie Jackson. And um, do you like the song? It's kind of a loaded question because I watched it. I didn't remember the song. Did you? I do not like the video, but I do like the song. You would think an act of war might be like uh, some sort of statement song, but it's just a, a relationship song about two people trying to get along. But, but the video makes it seem like it's something. Yes, because something, the video, something, it's like a cold word has all the like the symbolism. I mean, with the explosions and all. Right. But you look at the lyrics and it's just it's just a love song of two people who don't get along. Love songs, you know, that's going to be what element of love, of love song. But unfortunately, I watched the video. I didn't remember the song. So I watched the video before just listening to the song. So I was, you know, focused on the elements of the video. But she has like. Great. Oh, my God. She's amazing. Millie Jackson. Yeah. Wonderful artist. I think it would be fair to listen to the song without watching the video before I pass judgment because the video was very 80s. Yeah. It has all the cliches of uh, like explosions and and bricks falling. You know, it's just smoke bombs, craziness. I don't think this was an actual single. I did not see it on the uh, on my billboard charts. This wasn't a, a big hit. I, I like that Elton was going swing for the fences, trying something different, uh, you know, something contemporary that might appeal to a, a different audience. But he had more success with his next single. So he partnered with some, some other people besides Millie Jackson. This was with Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, and Dionne Warwick. Do you remember the song? This one hit uh, 
number one. And this was more, this was more in Elton's lane. And so suddenly we like re- realize that. Uh, I don't remember. What was it? Oh, that's what friends are for. Oh, I see. I only think of that as Dionne Warwick. I guess so. But that was, that was a number one song for four weeks. And so I, I think uh, in 1985, maybe Elton realized, you know what? My, my audience might be getting a little older. Maybe, maybe that's what friends are for is more in my lane. So we've talked about this before on the, on the podcast with artists, how we feel about when artists pivot, do like a major pivot. That's what this was for sure. I think this song works. It wasn't a hit, but I, I I enjoy it. I like the, uh, the banter between Elton and Millie. I think, I think the song works. I think it works now, but I think back then maybe it's probably why I didn't remember it. Maybe I had a harder time. I was big Elton John fan, you know, the seventies and you know, seventies stuff was always on in my house. So maybe I had a little harder time with accepting this new, sure. the new Elton. As, as with Lone Justice, we things that sound different don't really work for us initially. Years later, these, these songs still hold up. So that's nice to know. Well, it's nice that you were able to ride along with Elton John. All right. We need to take a break from all these factoids and uh, we will return shortly. Ready for more factoids? Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. All right, let's go up to number 103. This is by Paul Hartcastle, which we talked about in our pop culture episode, which was last week. Uh, In case you want to see what was going on in 1985, um, you you might want to give that a listen. We had some fun clips in there. But Holly asked me how old I was in 1985, and I was 19. 19? Yes. This one made it up to number 15 on the charts back in 1985. Um, so it made it to number 15 here, but it made it to number one in the UK. It was funny. I saw that Paul Hardcastle also had a, a little bit of a hit or you know, made it up to number 57. It was a song called Rainforest. And I listened to that and I was like, oh, I remember this song from when I worked at The Wave. It was like smooth jazz, sophisticated. The Wave actually played some very cool music. and that, So one of them was Rainforest by Paul Hartcastle. Maybe The Wave was ahead of its time. Oh, The Wave was totally, a, a, yeah, they played a lot of cool stuff, actually. I enjoyed it for the vocal songs they played. They played a lot of instrumentals, like Andreas Volenweider, like harp stuff that I was like not into. They played Kenny G. I'm not, you know, that, not, not necessarily something I want to listen to, but uh, they took a lot of chances on, on songs. So that's why I remember Paul Hardcastle's Rainforest. And of course, I remember 19. Everybody remembers 19. Well, <laughs> well because you remember it. but uh, Therefore, everybody has to remember. Therefore, everybody, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was part of your life back then. It was sampled narration from professional broadcaster Peter Thomas where they say that the average age in the army was 19. The, the average age of the U.S. soldier fighting in Vietnam. Yes, which is crazy when you think if the average age, meaning everyone was 18 or 19, there were not, you know, if you were 23, you, you were above average yeah, in age. Yeah, no, they took people right out of, you graduated high school, they took you. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. 
something do you know who you know simon fuller is from uh, american idol yeah he created american idol pop idol so he managed paul hardcastle and he named his management company i knew simon fuller's management company was called 19 entertainment he named it after the song because he managed uh paul hardcastle all right i will qualify that as a fun fact i like that yeah <laughs> i like Very- that very cool. Okay, yeah, that probably. Oh, thank you. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that paid for a lot of uh, Simon Fuller's uh, initial startups. So endeavors. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then I guess the Spice Girls helped. You know, helped kick him into higher, higher gear. Sure, but without 19, he. So maybe without 19, we wouldn't have the Spice Girls. I'm going with that. Okay. <laughs> so thank you, Paul Hardcastle, for your for your service. All right, let's move on to number 102. This is from a movie, The Falcon and the Snowman. David Bowie's This Is Not America. Do you, did you ever see Falcon and the Snowman starring Sean Penn and Timothy Hutton? Directed, I absolutely did. Directed by John Schlesinger, who also directed Midnight Cowboy. One of my favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. This Did you see Falcon and the Snowman? Yeah, I, I do remember it back in 1985, but I don't I really couldn't remember any thing except the David Bowie song. Oh, it was a spy movie. I can't tell you that much about it, but I do love this genre. I do remember that was like about the Cold War. They were selling secrets to the Russians, but I, yeah. I can't remember any particulars about that, except because I saw the video for it so many times. I think I know it in clip form. <laughs> that happens often, I think, more often than we than than we think. But I think this, I thought it then, and I think it now, that this song is totally appropriate for the film. I mean, just the, the sound, everything that, the, just everything about the song is appropriate for the film. Yeah, a really, really great song. Pat Metheny playing guitar on here. This is As I was looking here, David Bowie only sang this song three times in concert, twice in New York and once in London. And if you look on YouTube, you can see him perform that in the year uh, from 2000. He played the song and he said he introduced it as a song that he it's from the 80s, but it's a song that I still really like. And I mean, it's really great. Really, really good song. Not a feel good song, it's but a, like the vibe. It's an adult the song. It's an adult song. It was a new 
again, uh, something different from David Bowie, he, more adult. Everyone's going younger. Bowie goes a little bit older, a little more sophisticated. Like, okay, what's, I'm going to work with this jazz guitarist and see what happens. So I think David Bowie is the ultimate pivoter. But as we talk about artists that pivot with the times, he didn't necessarily pivot with the times. He was great leaning into everything he leaned into. Yeah, this was just a one-off, unfortunately. I mean, I, I could have been interesting if they collaborated for a full full album to kind of hear what was going on back then. From what I understand, his follow-up to Let's Dance, the album was called Tonight. He wasn't happy with that. I don't think he liked that album, which was correct. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it either. You know, he's trying to do Let's Dance again. He's like, okay, I need to do something completely different. And that's how this kind of came about. I, I think it was like, okay, this is something different. Let's do it. Our last song that we will talk about today is from Nick Hayward, the song Warning Sign. Okay, so what can you tell me about Nick Hayward? What band was he in? Well, Haircut 100. Yeah. I vaguely remember this song. Do you remember the song Warning Sign? I didn't really remember it. I was still into the Haircut 100 when he was with Haircut 100, and that album was the year a year or two before. Do you like the song? Yeah, yeah. It was, it's good. I, I liked uh, the video. Is kind of, it's just kind of a performance where he's uh, in a nightclub, and he's got the, the three backup singers and... Very 80s. It was kind of 80s, and that you know, but it was kind of harking back to uh, to the 60s. The the one thing I do like about the song is actually the guitarist. I um I, I like the guitar part in this song. I think it's it's really strong. And I looked through the YouTube comments, uh, and someone actually mentioned the guitarist, and his name is Alan Murphy. So um, good job, Alan Murphy, on this song. Black is still critical to be in a society where no one belongs. Hey! You see, we're all speaking in different languages. Some in the C and some in the B and some in the Z and some in your head. Hey! They're coming away with all kinds of directions. Put down your suffering. Yeah, and the song made it up to number 25 in the UK. So, you know, and keeps them relevant with the, the K-Rock crowd. So so he's recording on Patreon now. And so people are funding his music. And okay. I think he's releasing it as singles. Okay, so that's a thing now. Because I know, like, there was Pledge Music. and There's been a number of things where you can support artists that you love and you want to see them still put up new stuff. So Nick is doing that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just went on the website, recording a new album and sharing the process. Yeah, well, this is from 2020. So I don't know. Let's see. I wonder if it just go to nickhayward.com and for $7.50 a month, you can become a, the Patty Fields of Patreon, get daily lens updates, are the first to hear all the news, including gig announcements, releases, and new merch. All right. So there you go. There are uh, seven songs that were 6.7 songs that we just went through, and uh, we're well on our way. Counting them down. Counting down the hits, like Casey. We are, and we're going to have a guest to count down 100 to 91. 
yeah, we'll have uh, surprise guests uh, coming up. I say surprise because I have no idea who is going to be on our future episodes. I'll be just as surprised as you are. <laughs> but we know what's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, I strongly suggest you subscribe to our podcast and follow along. Go on our website, subscribe to our newsletter if you like, which is WDDIMpodcast.com. And then we also have social media, right, Ollie? You can find us at WDDIM Podcast anywhere in social media and also on our YouTube channel where you will find plenty of outtakes from every episode, interviews, countdowns, everything. So just look for What Difference Does It Make Podcast on YouTube. And thank you. You can subscribe there too. Sounds great. Yeah. Building up quite a following on YouTube. All right. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.